Welcome to Giving. I'm your host, Alex Godin. Today I'm here with Swathi Milavarapu, the founder of Insight.org and the National Investment Director of Pete Buttigieg's presidential campaign. Swathi is a force for good across three worlds, politics, nonprofits, and startups. Across the board, she is building movements that make the world a better place and create leverage for underdogs. It's an honor to have her on the show. Welcome. Hey, Alex. I'm happy to be here with you. So I wanted to talk about starting in college. I read that you started as a biochemistry major, but pretty quickly switched directions. Can you tell me about why you did that? Yes, because I didn't know how big the world was until I showed up for college. So I I think uh, through most of high school, a lot of my exposure had been in the hard sciences and Um, I kind of understood excellence and doing something good in the world is something that would take me down the path of what I knew, which was the hard sciences and biochemistry in particular. But then showing up first semester of freshman year in college was kind of like walking through the doors and realizing that the world was really, really big and all kinds of interesting, exciting things were happening and that there are many avenues to studying and doing work that um, that made an impact in the world. So I took my first economics classes, my first real um, sort of advanced and applied social science classes and fell in love with those subjects and ended up changing my career path completely. And, and then you sort of, you graduated and were a Rhodes Scholar and then went to work in startups, which is sort of a very different direction. Again, what what happened there? Yeah, and I, I, I love when we go through the exercise of recounting our past as though, you know, the narrative suggests that it's a linear path when the reality is, it, at the time, it very rarely is. Uh, so, so I floundered my first semester of college. I really struggled to know, find things that I was interested in, to figure out how to do well, to find my bearings. I also, there was a huge cultural shift to move from a small town where I'd gone to a pretty small public school to being in the middle of this huge private university with, you know, kids that came from much more serious cities and academic programs. It was overwhelming. So I got some not so great grades my first semester. I didn't feel like I fit in. Um, and so the, the course of college was really one where I forced myself to try and find those things that spoke to me and motivated me and captured my interest rather than just finding the paths where um, I was guaranteed successful outcomes, uh, in large part because I'd had what I considered to be pretty significant failure my first couple of months there. Um, so the path to the Rhodes Scholarship was really about turning the remaining three and a half years that I had in college into time that I got to pursue classes and professors and fields of study that I thought were interesting and important. And I started to realize that the pattern that was really similar was I was really interested in the study of things that involved human progress and the improvement of societies and communities and people's lives. Um, So I guess it was a blessing in disguise that I had such a hard time um, finding my way at the beginning of college. 
And when you when you think about human progress, how do you, how do you look at that arc? What does that look like? So it's really interesting. I spent a lot of time um, in undergraduate and graduate school studying history and economics and demography and public health. And for me, one of the obvious patterns that emerged from all this study of various places and communities and systems of government over different periods of time was that invariably there is a fundamental human pursuit of wanting to live a better life. That is in a lot of ways what the study of economic development is about. That is what the arc of of human history uh, essentially that's a guiding principle or North Star in that field. It's um, one of the stories that tends to play out at the level of population science um, and study of demographic patterns over time. Um, And so to me, that's really, really interesting. And I think speaks to so much of the work that, I mean, frankly, the principles that guide us in our work at Insight, right? So what is it around the structure of organizations or social movements or political work, or frankly, even companies um, that allows for incremental progress towards that much bigger arc or narrative that you can see uh, even in these academic fields. And and so you talk about insight. What exactly is insight? Uh, because it's pretty unique in in the world. So like, how do you describe insight? Insight is our vehicle for providing capital and guidance to help really good people build things that are good for the world. And it's that simple. Uh, you know, we've got a portion that focuses on companies, a portion that focuses on nonprofits, and a portion increasingly that focuses on political and civic work. But the premise is pretty simple that when good entrepreneurs are mission driven and out there trying to solve really hard problems, um, sometimes that they might choose a company as their vehicle for impact. Sometimes they might choose a nonprofit as the appropriate vehicle. And sometimes a political campaign or a C4 or 527 organization might be the appropriate avenue. But we tried to set up insight in such a way that we could be flexible and accommodate all of these types of organizational structures and really focus on the core early ingredients of money and guidance and support to be catalytic. And uh, it's even where we got the name from. It's a play on this notion of an insight, uh, like with an S-I-G-H-T and insight, like inciting something, starting something, getting it going. I love that. And there's, there's so, there's lots of people who provide the uh, early money in an entrepreneurial context in a, um, in a sort of corporate world, but in nonprofits and especially political campaigns, there's a lot less of that. How did you decide to sort of broaden out to these other categories? Were there specific um, organizations or folks that were sort of catalytic for insight? I think it was the sum of the experiences that Matt and I had had up until that stage in our career. So we knew from his time at Nest that early stage capital coupled with really great advisors and early investors that could help guide 
the company were really important. And I knew from my time at google.org um, and from my, the time, the stuff that I studied in school that on, in the phil philanthropy world, that early stage capital was a lot harder to come by, that it was really challenging for nonprofits to get access to it. And we had started to learn um, in the political space that this could also be a barrier. And I think the way that this, the symptom that suggested this underlying causal challenge was the fact that in the political space, uh, we tended to see elected officials, it was very hard to see breakthrough rising talent. Um, and so that was the insight with an S that suggested there was an opportunity to insight with the C some change in that dimension. And it, it really is striking to see just how um, much work you've done in politics over the last few years. Um, I have to imagine that the night of the most recent presidential election was certainly uh, a turning point for you. Can you tell me about where you were that night and what happened? Yes. Yep, Matt and I were home sitting on the sofa watching the results stream in on our TV and we went to bed at like 1 a.m. and we were super duper bummed and I remember both of us had a pretty sleepless night and kept waking up to check our phone to see if in fact reason had prevailed and the the trajectory had been um, had been turned uh, and just woke up the next morning and were like so many other people really upset and taken aback and I think it forced us to take stock of maybe some of our assumptions and our understanding of how things, you know, what the everyday living conditions and situations were for Americans um, everywhere in the country. But there was also an, a different set of insights that emerged for us pretty quickly um, and observations. You know, I think in the process of participating as donors, political donors in 2016, it was the first cycle where we really had any means to be able to do that. We had traded notes and often felt like, why is it so hard to see breakthrough talent in the political space? And um, where is there a conversation around a core message and opportunity and, and creation of economic mobility and opportunity for everyday Americans? And, you know, when we couldn't find super satisfactory answers on those fronts, Matt and I would sometimes just think, well, maybe we just don't know enough about how this world works. Maybe we're missing something. But I think in some ways the outcome really suggested to us that our hypotheses were worth exploring, that there you know, were something to those questions that was worth pursuing. And the more we got into it, the more we realized, well, there was so much opportunity to get in there and... Um, activate a lot of the frustration and challenge that people around the country were feeling and turn that into motivation to engage and become active participants in the political process, which is why we decided to start the arena, for example, um, with friends of ours to go around the country and encourage people who are paying attention to the civic arena, in part because of the election outcome, to actually throw their hats in there and get into the arena um, and run for office. And the, the starting of the arena was not a small undertaking. It's become a real, uh, really important 
thing very, very quickly, but it started almost immediately after the election. Can you tell me more about like that first event and what it felt like? Yeah, the arena started literally the morning after that November 2016 election because Ravi Gupta, one of our co-founders, had sent an email to a few folks that he knew just saying, hey, I'm, you know, if you're as upset about last night's outcome as I am, let's do something about it and get more people to run for office and, and participate in the civic process. Um, and the original idea was just, okay, let's get, have an open invitation. Anyone who's thinking about running for office or learning more, let's invite them to get together. We did it in Nashville because that's where Ravi was based and we could find a place to host it pretty quickly. Uh, Matt and I put up a lot of the, the early funding to make that convening happen. And we thought, you know, maybe we'll get a hundred people that show up and decide they want to run for office. But we had a couple hundred people, almost 500 show up from uh, like 35 different states for that first arena summit. And it was just a month after the election in Nashville. And that's when I started to realize that we were onto something and that we were also experiencing this really incredible and unique, historically unique moment where Americans of all walks were motivated and interested in getting involved. And in the months following that arena summit, you saw Indivisible and Swing Left and Sister District and Flippable and Run for Something all get off the ground to, to tap into and channel a lot of that same enthusiasm. And um, for me, the observation was, you know, in, in the tech ecosystem, we've had an angel investing and seed ecosystem with accelerator programs for years. And we've seen how powerful those, those can be as levers to expand access to opportunity and increase information transparency around how to start a business and grow a tech company and, and grow one successfully. You know, those are really hard things that we've learned how to make super accessible. And so I think the um, thought and or the insight here was really, okay, what would it take to do that for something even more fundamentally American than starting a business, you know, running for office and participating in the political process? Um, and so that was, that was what that first summit really gave, um, gave way to. And now, a, a few years later, it's not just a conference, it's also produced some real results. Can you tell me about some of the candidates you've backed and their, their outcomes? Yes, so the arena now focuses on three types of programs. So they do these major summits a few times a year, which are open calls for people that are thinking about running for office or for somehow getting more involved in electoral work. Um, they run arena academies, which are training programs that happen all over the country, specifically to train people who want to make career changes uh, to learn how to be great campaign staffers. And then the third program is we run something called an arena fellowship. So for folks that come out of academies or summits and really decide that they're serious about running for office, we run an application program and actually provide super deep pro bono support to candidates who are running for all kinds of positions. Um, the, last year we had 50 arena fellows and 26 of them won their elections and are now serving in offices of different kinds, including I think 10 or 11 of them are now freshman members of the U.S. House. Um, others are in city commission or state legislative positions. Um, so they're, we're helping to build the bench of progressive leaders around the country. These are exactly the folks who are going to change the world for the better. So thank you for doing that. 
I'm curious, what do you teach someone who's new and uh, running for office? How, what are the, the things that you teach them that are maybe a little bit unconventional? That is a great question. Something off the bat that we focus heavily on, and I wouldn't say we teach this so much as we, we screen for it and then we proactively encourage it. We look for candidates that are fundamentally super values aligned. That is a really, really important characteristic. What I mean by that is, is there someone who's coming to the table and throwing their hat in to run for office because he or she is super motivated to serve other people and is driven by a core set of values uh, around you know, their version of what they think is likely to make the world and their communities better? It's a really important and subtle distinction between, say, someone who's motivated in that way versus someone who's motivated because they've wanted to be president since they were six years old. Or, you know, maybe they are super passionate specifically about one particular issue. I think um, encouraging folks to align on their core values and what those values are that they want to work on, put into action uh, and put to work for their communities and the folks that they're representing um, switches gears and allows us to bring to bear a new generation of leaders that are motivated by fundamentally different things. Wow. And what is the process of screening a candidate like? So the, the team has a couple of different steps. We've got a written application um, where we ask applicants to answer some basic questions like, what position are you running for? How did you decide to run for it? Uh, what do you think your path to victory looks like? And then once we get an opportunity to review the written applications, we do interviews where we do video calls or in-person meetings with folks to talk to them in a little bit more detail around some of these values questions to get a real sense of what their motivation is, why they're deciding to run for office, uh, and then also to evaluate uh, some sense of their strategic position and how they're thinking about what their path to victory might look like. Uh, and then we finally do a filter or a screen also to understand what the demographic composition um, of their district is to really get, in a, get a sense of, are there likely to be votes there that could get somebody uh, to victory or at least close to it? So the winnability of, of the particular race or district that they're running in. But even the way that we do that is different. So uh, in last year's batch of fellows, one thing that was really remarkable is we had a number of fellows that were running as progressives and Democrats in districts that for a, the longest time had been held by Republicans and had really not even had many true Democratic challengers. And we still made the choice to take those candidates on as fellows because we understood that there was something shifting in the demographic composition of those districts such that a, a candidate running on the left side of center could be successful. Wow. And, and now these days you're spending your time and a lot more of your time with, with one particular candidate. Can you tell me about your history with Pete? Sure. So uh, Pete has been a friend of mine for a long while. We went to college together and we were road scholars and uh, we consider him part of our extended arena community. He actually was a helpful resource when we were getting arena off the ground and has came and has spoken at summits before to help share his story and inspire and motivate um, some of some of 
the folks that have come through the arena program to run for office. And in the same way that the arena is really focused on activating a new generation of public leaders and campaign folks, Pete's campaign represents, I think, so much of the potential and power of bringing a new generation of leadership to bear in the White House. Um, and so that's why I'm really excited to be helping um, him and the campaign be successful. I've stepped in as his national investment chair, which means that I help a lot um, with enabling us to garner support from people around the country um, and to, to help turn some of that support into the dollars that we need to run the campaign and build the movement. And this is your first time doing anything like this. How has that been? What have you learned along the way? Well, there are some really great insights from our experience with the arena and what our arena candidates have been through in the post-2016 ecosystem that I think are really helpful and transferable to what what we're doing on the campaign and, and for Pete. And so um, that part is really awesome. Um, and I'm bringing to bear the experience and um, observations and lessons from building tech companies and from the work that we've done at Insight, helping our portfolio entrepreneurs build really strong mission aligned teams that are nimble uh, and able to do big, good things for the world with relatively fewer resources. So that has been a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I can only imagine how has the, the sort of startup ethos influenced your work? Are there specific examples you can think of? In March or April of this year, you know, the campaign team was really only about 15 or 20 people. And we, everybody rolled up their sleeves and did whatever it took. Um, sometimes, you know, showing up in the office and building furniture or, uh, and oftentimes the office meant that it was like a small room where four or five folks were huddled together. Or, you know, if Pete was going to a new city, um, I get in touch with old friends from college to help make introductions for the campaign and make sure that we were connecting with as many people as we needed to be, to be spreading the message and, um, and sharing more of what Pete and, the, and his campaign were all about. So doing a lot with a really small scrappy team where we, you know, we're less focused on titles and clear responsibilities and more, pushing at all hours and all times to do whatever it took um, to help raise awareness about our candidate and the message, I think is a really great example of the ways in which the early days on Peak for America were so similar to the early days at XYZ startup. Yeah. And I think I'd love to zoom out a little bit and just mm -hmm. understand sort of a cross insight in the arena and Pete. For you, what does success look like? What is the goal of your work these days? What, 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 why are you doing it? I'm doing it because I think we need more people who play behind the scenes, enabling roles with capital and with guidance and advice um, and counsel to give really talented leaders the space and the runway to build things of value that are good for the world. You don't just need, we need entrepreneurs, leaders, people that are running for president that are out there 
championing those values and putting out great ideas or great organizations that are solving big, hard problems. And we need really great investors and board members uh, and mentors behind the scenes that are creating the space and providing the resources that these change makers need to change the world for the better. And so that is a big part of how I see my role. And it's not something that we talk a lot about because we have a popular cu culture that really tends to celebrate the folks that are in the founder's seat or the candidate who's running for office. And rightly so, because those people are doing really important leadership work. But the fact of the matter is that for them to be successful, you need an entire ecosystem that also includes the folks that are willing to capitalize those efforts and that are willing to provide the push, the advice, the encouragement for them to keep doing what they're doing and enable it to blow up and become something really big. Amen. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for championing an, a new a new type of thing. There aren't many folks with that type of worldview. So thank you for 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 bringing that into the world and for creating so much impact. And thank you for doing this in interview. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, it's my pleasure. I mean, look, I think that I've got the best job in the whole world. And um, if we get this thing right at Insight, you know, in 10 years time, we should be able to look back on, on our first 10 years of work and say that there are hundreds of people that are doing really big and important things that the world needs them to be doing. Um, and I think we'll, like that would be a tremendously great outcome. For sure, for sure. Thank you so much. Giving is brought to you by Lemon Tree Foods and produced by Alexandra De Palma. I'm your host, Alex Godin. Special thanks to Anna Koppelman. See you next week. <laughs>